thanks to the beneficence of our Lord British Telecom, who has allowed us to record today, having decided that it was too warm for the internet in the last two days. But they wanted to go and play on the field, Nick. Uh, <laughs> but it's colder today, so they said, "Okay, you can go in and use the internet uh, after you have your cod liver oil." It's episode two hundred and twenty of the Rum Doings podcast, and the topic today is wouldn't making refugees work at sports direct kill two birds with one stone and you can email podcast at rumdoings.com or tweet us at rumdoings i think 1.7 people have not no no minus 1.7 we've actually had emails that were previously sent to us have gone do you think that Stephen chicken is an anti-particle yes okay he didn't even bother this week <laughs> that's how rubbish we've become oh Ugh. I think maybe maybe we're going to have to face the fact that the listener joke is is all too real at this point. It probably is. They they they've all voted um, remexit. <laughs> so how you been keeping? Yes, very well actually. I'm I'm doing I'm being keeping extremely well. <laughs> You're a good keeper. You I haven't do... lost any anything this week. Excellent. Not even your son. No, or or my cap, which I mostly lose. <sighs> Or pens, or everything I own. Or, John, or Mm. your marbles. (laughs) Oh, Nick. Nick. Yes. lost those years ago. (laughs) I'll tell you about something else that's going to be lost, and that's the general election when it comes by Jez Corbyn. (laughs) This is good. This is good radio, mate. This is great. It is great. Okay, so coming up on the six and nines, we've got travel and and sport. But before that, foot the same song you've heard before. Talking talking about Jerry Corwin, a previous uh, failed left wing Labour leader was Michael Foot. Talking about foot, <laughs> I That's broke good. mine like he yeah. was a broken man when Thatcher completely trounced him. <laughs> that was amazing. Yes. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your new appearance, your appearances on Sky News. But before that, can you please tell me what the hell you did to your foot? Well, um, I will start with its present situation and that it's big and throbbing and purple like an angry UKIP voter. Um, and now I'll rewind. Last Saturday, Judith is part of... You stole my UKIP joke! Yeah, I, I pre-empted it. Last Saturday... Whoa! Last... Oh, that was... You post-empted it. Anyway, carry yeah. on. Mm. Last Saturday, um, well, Judith is part of a, a kind of sports thing called multi-sports where every week they try a different sport and they stick with that sport uh, inter alia for a few weeks. So they play some fun games like Barbarian Attack, which is a great game, actually. It's like a video that, game. That, I believe, is is going to be in the Olympics in 2022. It should be. It's a really great game. It's like a, it's like a, an old-style uh, arcade game spread across a sports hall. You'd really like it. Um, and then there are more traditional things like a bit of hockey and a bit of uh, cricket and a bit around and and also they they had other things like archery where they try them out in archery and the nice, Ooh, nice. thing is you get to pay for it with your vouchers. So and fun. I imagine if your child shows a propensity for any of these things, then you've got a new hobby to add. Well, exactly. And what's nice is it's not like saying, right, you're going to be doing ballet for the next quintillion years. Or you're going to be doing football for the next quintillion years. And the child finds that actually they find that quite miserable after the third lesson. You're kind of flitting to new things all the time. So, for example, Judith knows exactly what she wants to do now. She wants to do boxing, archery and wrestling. <laughs> boxing? Well, they did the kind of um, 
boxing where the opponent held up a pad pads and you just jab at the pads and i think she found that very cathartic so i think she'd well, enjoy I... okay i mean you'd like to hit some of your colleagues with pads wouldn't you oh god just like to just <laughs> like to punch adam in his stupid mancunian face well that's what manchester does it could be worse could literally live a puddly and then you'd actually do him a real damage um, i love Ad- i love adam i can't imagine hitting him i picked him because he's just so adorable obviously i'd much rather punch um pip yes again i can't do it they're all too nice pip Pip, Pip, but yeah, the problem is if you punch Pip, I imagine she'd uh, finish you off very quickly with a counter <laughs> pouncer. She, she would chop me in half with a single blow. Exactly, so I wouldn't try. So so anyway, so this is, and usually what happens is you one drops her off at 9.30, picks her up at 12.30. But of oh. course, this was the last multi-sports of the year. So of course, it was Parent Participation Day. Yay! Yay. Sports Day. So uh, when I turned up, I was the only parent there who was prepared to participate. The rest were too fat and soon to be dead. So <laughs> I um, I uh, really enjoyed Barbarian Attack. And, I started, uh, and what was nice is I decided not to, you know, we said, the coach kind of intimated, look, don't patronise and just play it properly. So it was it was genuinely great fun. And then and then we went outside and we were going to play this. It's a, they're teaching kids how to pass balls, you know, doing a shoulder pass or a, or, or, I'll pass different sorts of passes of balls. So it's a, it's a bit like basketball without the dribbling and you get to then throw the ball at a kind of bouncy sheet at an oblique angle, which then that's a goal and then the ball bounces out again. And so there's a lot of fury. But of course, when you catch the ball, you're not allowed to move except pivot to find mm-hmm. out who to pass next to. So of course, I was running around and so on, and then I caught it, and then I caught it again, and there was another person whom I defended myself, and then I grabbed the ball, and then I saw that one of Judy's friends was there, and I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to try and pass to him, but he's really in quite the wrong position. So I did a very, very big pivot. Sadly, the pivot was a bit too big. There was a little stone. My ankle then went over, uh, and then my... Um, uh, and then I, I, I kind of collapsed on top of it. And then I heard a, a, a crunch sound. I thought, <laughs> that's, that's not a sound one wants to hear with one's anatomy. Um, but I did. And then I kind of <clears throat> sat down and I thought, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to will this just to be one of those things that feels excruciating at the moment, but will soon pass. Like, you know, when you bang your knee on the side of a coffee table. Oh. Goodness me, yes. And you, th- but you, you kind of then do your rituals like screaming into a pillow or shouting <laughs> Jer- Jeremy Corbyn or whatever. And then, <laughs> that's my uh, new. That's what I'm doing next time. Exactly. And then you know that within thirty seconds you'll know that the abatement is happening, and by five minutes you won't even know it happened. So I was willing myself into that. I said, mm, it's it's all right. And I had a ten mile run the next day, and so on. So this was mm. quite unacceptable that this were anything else than a um, a mild joggle. Um, <laughs> Sadly, when, and then I got up and tried to walk away and I couldn't really. So I kind of hobbled on one leg and it wasn't feeling much better. So I. That's hopping. Hobbling on one leg is called hopping. Well, no, but there was a kind of attempt to use the heel as the other leg as a walking stick. Um, right. <laughs> so then I got to the side, sat down, elevated the leg as they tell you to. Uh, and it felt annoyingly acute with the areas which were painful. Was there a reaction from the crowd when this happened? Uh, there was a kind of a general, oh, are you all right? I said, oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll be fine. It's just a little, uh, I, I think I fell a bit awkwardly. I'll just sit on the side for a while. And then fortunately, one of the coaches did bring one of those cold sprays, which feels very nice for about eight nanoseconds and then is irrelevant. Um, yes. 
It's a very hot day. So I probably should have actually put an ice pack on her, blah, 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 blah. Then Victoria came along because she ha was actually going to be coming late during the, later during the day anyway. And then she, w I said, oh, I just had a little, a little sprainy, wainy here. I'll just sit here. You go and help. Yeah, they were, they were having cricket next. You go down the pitch and help them with the cricket and whatever. You might as well be the other parent who participates. <laughs> So she went off, came back. I said, mm, it's still not really nice to walk on and it's still rather painful. So she insisted that we went to a drop-in centre. What a pansy. Exactly. And I thought, oh, for goodness sake, come now. Uh, I started feeling my my inner French and Saunders stuff and nonsense lady. <laughs> uh, because this this sort of thing is quite unacceptable. Uh, uh, now, the, the drop-in centre that we went to was nice pf you know pfi uh shi shi shiny but uh crap building yeah. and uh so i wait, waited waited my requisite uh 45 minutes or whatever it is to be triaged uh yes and uh victoria got on this point and then i went in because i know there were x-ray facilities went in and they said yes you'll need to be x-rayed but the x-rays are the x-ray machines turned off at the weekend <laughs> I said i said oh I I'm, I'm so glad people don't break anything at weekends that's fortunate you know, between you and me, Hunt was right. The NHS is so crap at the weekend. Anyway, so um, so I then, Victoria had gone to get something from the shops in the meantime, so I waited there for about 12 hours, called her, and she eventually came along, and we went to another drop-in centre, which looked like a third-world refugee uh, drop area. But uh, to be fair to them, I was triaged quite quickly. I was then sent to the x-rays. They took the x-rays, and then a couple of hours later, the lady nurse said... Yes, yes, you see that line going across that bone on the fifth metatar the fifth metatarsal bone? That line shouldn't be there. That means it's broken. Said, oh, okay. Um what do I do next? Said, what you do next is put on this stocking, come back on Monday to the Barnet Fracture Clinic. So this is where it, it it's quite amusing. So I went to the Barnet Fracture Clinic and it was in pain and I was keeping it as I should. Uh and but I'd be given crutches at this point. And I have to say, if anybody's ever, if you ever see anybody walking quickly and briskly with crutches, have new respect for them because it's one of the most ridiculously awkward and painful things you can do. Because what they, what you don't realize, of course, is that if you want to keep your right leg uh, off the ground completely, you're effectively doing gymnastic dips every yes. time you move to force yourself forward and then catching yourself before you collapse on your face with two sticks which is fine for about three goes, but I decided to, I said, oh, well, I'm going to walk uh, to my parents, which was about a, mi a mile in distance. And by the time I got there, I was completely shattered and uh, completely in sweat. And the thing that you don't realize is your, what, re what it really kills is the inner palms of your hands. So I, I now think I've probably broken both uh, both hands as well. So that that's fine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, at, so at the fracture clinic, I, I hobbled in with, with my crutches and a special boot that I've been in. You know the spaz boot? That makes you look like you've got a robot foot. Oh, yes. Um, uh, and, and it's got about, it's, it's like putting on a bit of a space suit and that it's got about 20 different things you have to strap together and strap on your exoskeleton and all that kind of stuff. And then um, it's at the Fracture Clinic, a uh, rather busy Irish gentleman said to me, um, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've looked at your x-rays on, on his little computer because they sent them through on the computer. I can see your x-ray there. Yes, what you've probably done is you've... Um, I can see by the color of your foot, your your ligament is probably uh, ruptured. So that's why the blood is there and you'll need to rest your leg for... I said, yeah, okay. Um, my ligament's uh, ruptured, but doctor, have you read the notes? Have you looked at the... Um, 
other x-ray, I'm more interested in the broken bone. Oh, no, no, there's no broken bone. <laughs> Doctor, you're looking at an x-ray of my ankle. Maybe you'd like to look at the other x-ray of my foot. Oh, there's no other x-ray. Doctor, can you see that icon over there for the other... For, for, oh for the other goodness. x-ray. Could, could you click on that one, please? No, 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 I don't think that's yours. No, it is mine. It's got, it's got the same case number on it. Could you click on it, please? Click. Oh, yes, so it is. Oh, my goodness. Um, yes, yes, there's nothing ambiguous about that. Yes, you broke your fifth Mr. Tarsal. Um, there's a one in five chance that it won't set, and you'll have to have pins put in it. Okay, thank you very much. Um, so you keep off, keep off. The, and then, of course, it gives me two completely contradictory bits of advice. Mm-hmm. First he, sa- I sa- first he said, uh, I said, well, how do I know wh- when I can start putting weight on the foot, etc.? He says, oh, just let, let, let pain be your guide. And if you ever, if it's, unless it's unbearable, you can put, you, you can put weight on it. I said, okay. The second thing he said was, um, your foot is, that, that particular bone's under a unique bit of stress because, of course, you've got your arch pulling at it one way. You've got your tendons from your leg pulling at it another way. And usually when it's a solid bone, the, the forces are balanced. If you've got a break, then, of course, you can imagine, you know, to the tug of war, then the rope breaks. Mm. Um, you can, so it says it's, it, that's why it's more difficult for it to knit together and you shouldn't put the foot under any additional stress because well, yes. then uh, you, you, every time it does do a bit of knitting, you break it. So yeah. let's combine that yeah. with statement one. Did you say that to him or did you not in the moment? I, I, well, I, in the moment, I was still processing the first thing. Yeah, and exactly. then as I got out of that, hold on, there's yeah. a fallacy here. What can I do about it? Of course, you're already given 4.2 minutes uh, before. So I, so I said, well, uh, doctor, next, um, and remember, he's Irish. So I said, next week, weekend, which is not this coming weekend, but the next weekend, we, we, we're going to uh, Belfast because we're going to see uh, uh, my sister-in-law. We're going to stay with my sister-in-law's uh, parental place with, and Judy's going and Jessica's going. You know, it's going to be a family outing to, to Belfast, awful. by the way. Yeah. So, well, well, Mr. Southern, so I said, is there anything I need to worry about uh, with regards to my focus? We're flying. Is there anything I need to take with? He says, oh, only a flak jacket. Oh, uh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, good grief. So, <laughs> so I started liking him for his cheek at this point. Well, he was being a bit cheeky, but, but there you go. So, um, so then I, 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 I and then actually, this is I, I was conflating this. I had I had me crutches, but this is where I got me robot boot installed, and and so that's where we are. And um, it's it's a real annoying thing because I, I and now mm. I'm annoying Victoria because rather than using the bloody crutches, I'm just hopping all over the house. Oh God. All your wooden floors must look lovely right now. Yes, exactly. And she says, A, A, that's ridiculous. B, if you slip over and you crunch again and C, um, as you joggle up and down, what do you think's happening to your foot, uh, the other foot and so on? But really, it's too annoying. And they said it could be six to eight weeks. I've decided it's not going to be six to eight weeks. (laughs) You are never going to walk again. It's going to be about two weeks at most. Do we agree with that? I knew you'd do this. I tweeted on the day before I even knew what the break was. That you would not rest it for long enough and you're going to perm- it's going to heal in this really awkward shape and you're not going to be able to run properly yeah. and it's going to ache every time it rains. No, but I've decided I, uh, that's not acceptable, though. Yes, but you're not 20 in your 20s. You're now... Yeah, but, uh, but, but hold on, hold on, John. Do you remember when you decided that Laura was going to have a two-hour um, labour? And she had a four-hour labour. I was pretty much bang on. Exactly. So I've decided that... Oh, I see. Okay. Right in two weeks, so that's fine. Okay, fair enough. I'm not I one of those you're people, right. am I? Yes. You trapped me. You you tricked me and trapped me. Um, you, you the 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 thing is, you're not in your twenties. You're about to hit. But do, you, but do you think do you think it and do you think it makes any difference if you're in your twenties? I suppose it yes. does. 
Yes, yeah. it does. So what do you? Everything so, is falling apart now. So have, have you ever broke? You broke your elbow, didn't you, once? Or uh, that you? was eight. I was eight. Do you remember it? Uh, uh, yes, thought, I do. Yes, I do. Very distinctly. You get it in? Was it in a cast or was it in some weird bandagey thing? Uh, no, I didn't get a cast because of the nature of the break. So I chipped the epithesis off the elbow. So they had to pin it with a couple of pins. Um, mm-hmm. And then I was all I got was uh, one of those brown, weird, spongy. Uh, <laughs> people um, who are telling me to put on a bandage. <laughs> um, what do you call them? Slings. But it wasn't like a. It was like a. I don't call a, them slings. I call them Hindus or Baha'i or whatever. They are. Really. Listen, if I, now in a uh, post-Brexit old, world, old, I can I can insult people with my own made-up racial. Epithet, some old brown epithet. sling. Some old brown sling, as I call them. Tell me. To. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wear a sling. That's horrible. Um. Thanks, thanks for all that. So yeah, I, I didn't even, didn't even get a cast for people to sign, mm. uh, but then you can't really cast an elbow, I suppose. Um, yeah. And that's so why I was in the sling for a few weeks, and then I had another operation to take the pins out again. Okay, fair enough. So that's where we are, and most much of my foot has turned a, a UKIP purple, and uh, it was kind of okay the first two days, but now it's starting to become increasingly painful. So I've decided that's just part of the healing. Every time you walk. In your London, every time you walk near a person of a different ethnic background to you, does your foot try to turn or walk the other way? <laughs> my, my foot throws up like on Little Britain. It, it, uh, it oh, right. spews out of its toe. Yeah, um, it's. Uh, I did. Um, I did nearly four thousand steps yesterday on on me crutches because I we I had to go to a meeting and I made the meeting at St Pancras, but of course St Pancras you have to walk right across the other side of the station, which is really far, and then back again. And then I said I was going to meet Victoria and Judy at a restaurant because it was Judy's last day of term for for dinner, which was again another two thousand steps or so. Sadly, we couldn't go there because they they tr- and this is something else you've talked about before. They were stuck on the train coming to meet me for nearly an hour because. Mm-hmm. Some selfish bastard had decided that a nice way to end their life would be to to uh. traumatize to traumatize a driver by jumping in front of his cab while he was driving down uh, taking the train down the fast line and then um, uh, making everybody else's life a misery. It's so hard to get hold of. I don't know lots of paracetamol. So mm, exactly. Or, or so so that's what but apparently they want to make a big dramatic effect so i thought okay we want yes. to make a big dramatic effect this would never happen because it would be considered uh, inhumane or whatever but if we want to stop people from jumping in front of trains where if as this uh, psychiatrist say a, a large amount of it is the disruption and it's a ending life with a bang and finally getting some recognition for yourself in some effect um oh, what I you, see. What yeah, that you, makes sense what you would do is you would say if this, if any, from now on, anybody who jumps in front of a train, we've got a special machine called the the the, the people sluicer that quickly <laughs> clears them away. We don't really talk about it. We don't announce the cause of the disruption or anything like that. We don't have a big blue light hoo ha, and services continue. Nothing is spoken of it. Uh, I think that would possibly make it a far less attractive so way. You want, of you want all trains to be fitted with a big spin. No, 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 no. But I think every, I think there should be every region should have a couple of people sluices that can quickly poodle down and deal with the matter, very quickly, and just kind of takes everything up, cleans everything up, goes, and that and sort of <laughs> mulches you, and that's the end of it. It sounds. I believe that noise means you've had a good idea. I have had a good idea, and they you can't, could. I- you can't deny it now. It sounds awful when you're saying it, but no, the sound said it was a good idea. <laughs> it was a good idea. <laughs> so, 
So, so t- did you watch the ver- did you watch the Newsnight interview with Jeremy? Corbyn? Oh no, I didn't. I forgot. Well, you watched the other interview. I'm so irresponsible. I watched some clips from it. Yeah, but you watched the other interview uh, where where he was interviewed on Channel Four, and he that got- was from last year, which is even more extraordinary. Where he it, it just goes insane on Christian Christian Guru Murphy. No, who no. is the most insipid and useless Corbyn fan in the world, and even yes. and even he Corbyn couldn't cope with. Yes, I, I, there's one thing I want people to do with Corbyn. I, I whether you believe in his policies, whether you believe well, if he hasn't, whether you believe that underneath it all he's principled, whether you believe that he actually is doing something useful in a weird catalytic way, fine, but don't dare say. He's a nice man doing politics in a new way. Don't, yeah, you, you, you don't get to say that. He is a grumpy man where you can see that violence is simmering in his brain the whole time. If you look at the way he reacted to those questions uh, from that uh, journalist to when he was out in the field the other day and he kind of lunged towards her and had to be pulled back by some of his minders. Whether that would have actually ended anything violent, one can read violent body language and one can see the seething hatred. And it is hatred in his mind. And for somebody who says, I don't do malice in that completely Dr. Evil <laughs> malicious way, it, it, you don't get that. So you can call, um, can you call him principled? I guess you can if you believe that uh, there is a principle in destroy, in completely being destructive about anything the left stands for, good or bad. And therefore my enemy's enemy being West is always my friend. And thus you can justify taking money from Iran's press TV, even though that same channel was a party to a torture confession if you can do that and you can agree that that is a principle of sorts which you can it's logically Mm -hmm. consistent then yes he is a very principled man but then again in the same way um uh adolf hitler was a very principled man and there was a a, a great book um by shalom auslander it was the uh, basically about it was about um somebody who suddenly found a cranky old Anne frank who uh was living in his attic uh, sort of in the in the 1990s oh, wow. uh, uh, and it's a kind of slightly magic realism but it's great she's a really foul mouth and he says you know the problem isn't with uh pragmatists or corrupt people the problem is with optimists and idealists the thing is the problem uh, uh, those are the most dangerous hitler was an optimist and idealist he woke up every morning thinking I can really change the world. <laughs> if, if my amazing idea can happen, it will happen, and then we'll have a thousand years right. It's it's that sort of complete, blind, crazy optimism that's the most dangerous thing in the world. And one believes that with, with, with Corbyn. When he looks at... Uh, oh, some... I don't know. I don't believe that about him. But no, sorry, when, carry on. But when, when he looks at something like Venezuela, I honestly think that he thought that Chavez was going to change the world and would be the final example of how... That sort of pseudo-Marxism can be made to work for, capital T, the capital P people. I disagree with you. I think that he is very, very stupid. Oh, I really think... I'm oh, not, very, not saying, very, oh, yeah, he's stupid. I'm saying no, no. I believe he is intellectually deeply incapable. Correct. And as a result, he just has to see someone wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt and he thinks that person's on my side. So you think there's, no, there's nothing more sophisticated than that going yeah, on in his brain. Indeed, he has, as a scientist, scientologists would say, a, a his reactive mind is unbelievably over-expressing. Uh, everything he does and feels, there's this kind of reaction to things he doesn't ever really properly consider anything with deep nuance. And you can see that whenever you try to suggest nuance to him 
he takes that as an affront. Yes. It's not something... It, and I suppose it's like trying to force somebody who is colorblind to appreciate the difference between red and green. After you've been asked to do this for the sixth, seventh or eighth time, you probably begin to get very tetchy. Yeah, that's fair. And I, th- I have a feeling it's at that level. There's a cognitive uh, absence in him. And so when people ask are asking him to do things that are simply a category error for his particular mind configuration, he feels that people are effectively inflicting on him a kind of nonsense and he gets angry about it. It has to be something like that, really, because his his opinions and his the people whom he supports are so inconsistent with the otherwise um, obvious blandishments that he gives out. Uh, we we don't we don't do personal, he says. And then what does he do? He starts. Yeah, I know that was that was just bizarre, wasn't it? You'd think there would have been a, at least a pause between making this. In like, we here are the rules of this campaign. We are not going to use personal attacks. And then the very first response to Owen Smith is a personal attack. Yes, and the, and the, and and of course the uh, uh, yeah. But but okay, we've been attacking um, Jeremy Corn, and here's what's frustrating. I actually agree with two things profoundly agree with two things he's been implying if not exactly saying in the last two days the first thing i agree with is that trident is a complete useless waste of money and the fact that the political class is enamored to it and has to be enamored to it is a very very clever part of the military industrial complex um there are a lot of lobbying has gone on a lot of um annoying pr has been paid for such that to oppose it now is effectively to say, I want all the children in Britain to be raped by Russians. That's effectively what you're saying if you oppose Trident, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a useless weapon. It is something we will n- that will never, ever prove utilitarianly useful. It costs an unbelievable amount of money, even beyond what was originally proposed. And that's real money. That's not, um, that's not kind of Bank of England, oh, here's a magic trick I do sort of money. And yes. And the arguments against it that Jeremy Corbyn was making are largely sound. Yes, uh, if we suddenly did unilateral uh, nuclear disarmament, do you know what? I don't think we're going to be invaded by the Russians the next day. I don't think that's going to happen. What are you typing? I'm just doing some sums. Okay, good. I just Noisy want to say 200, 200 billion divided by 350 million. That's a, no, but 200 billion is very conservative. That's I'm, the I'm kind being, of the that's mas- fair. I'm being conservative. That's the massage PR figures. The, the reality is it's going to be closer to something like four or 500 billion, half a trillion when all, when all is said and done. 571 anyway. weeks of the money that we, ima- we imagined we were given to the EU. The extra money, yes. So it's, yeah, ten, um, 10 years. No, 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 that's not 575, 71 months, 575 one weeks. Yeah. Well, what can you do? That? And that's the extra money. It's, yeah, it's, was, ten, it's, ten, it's 11 years, yeah. But, but here's the problem. Um, let's assume that there's a mild argument for Trident in the same way that, you know, you can argue that maybe you should go all in when you've got uh, a pair of threes and everybody else is looking at the glint of their eyes. There's a chance you could win the pot eventually, maybe, <laughs> who knows. Um, but... That And people then say, well, and the union support Trident, because they say, look at the jobs it produces. Well, if we had that money to spend on completely um, uh, 
uh, overhauling our transport infrastructure or any other big building thing, then the, that money could be spent there and it would create the same or, or a greater number of jobs. So that's not a particularly good argument. Well, what, you're, what they're saying is we have this pot of money labeled X mm-hmm. that can employ Y people to do Z. That that uh, that Z has to be creating a useless weapon system is not engraved in stone, but of course, very cleverly now it is. So that's the first thing I agree completely with Corbyn about. The fact that um, the Labour Party policy is that they support Trident, which they needed to do pragmatically because most people in this country support it, especially... Uh, if you, as you go, uh, you, you know, the, uh, the CDEs, the working class and the unemployed support it more than anybody else um, because oh, our country's being protected, you know, daddy's helping and so on. Um, you, you, that's why, and so Labour Party policy was one of the bits of triangulation that, uh, that Miliband tried to do is uh, including the, uh, inc- including the uh, immigrants mug. Um, okay, that is Labour Party policy now. So when Corbyn goes up on the stand and attacks us treacherous Labour MPs who are supporting Labour Party policy when he is not treacherous by opposing it, seems bizarre, to say the least. Um, so that's, again, he played the politics of this completely wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I have agreed with him, though, is Owen Smith's lobbying for Pfizer does right. put very black marks around him in my eyes. If you've read uh, Bad Farmer by uh, Ben Goldacre, and if you've read uh, Peter Gertz's book, um, uh, 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 I've forgotten what its title is, uh, what's Farmer and uh, Organized Crime or something like that, where it's laid out that the these pharmaceutical companies are not organizations with a few bad apples, but are basically on the side of the angels. It's, it's an, they're organized crime syndicates which are screwing us, screwing our health systems and screwing our health very badly. Pfizer in particular has been caught out so many times and had to pay huge fines for the massive corruption that is involved in. So a man who is inveigled in the PR of that organisation and the lobbying of that organisation well, is not seems, a man... The lobbying, he doesn't seem to have been a lobbyist. That seems to have been something that they made up. Mm. He was a PR for the company. I'm not, I don't know. That, I'm just that, saying that... that a, a, PR, a PR is a lobbyist. I'm sorry, I'm not prepared to make that nice distinction. So, no, he was a lobbyist. He was there to tell lies for Pfizer. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not prepared to give him the benefit of the doubt. And these people going, ooh, uh, for, but these people make drugs to save our lives and give the drugs to our NHS. No, they're not giving drugs to our NHS. They are gouging yes, our absolutely. NHS. Um, our NHS's financial problems are largely caused by organisations like Pfizer. And when Corbyn said that, frankly, our NHS or organisations like it should be the ones developing these drugs that are then available for everything, quite right. Because these pharmaceutical companies take basic research that's done by universities and public organizations they then find a curlicue they then run dodgy studies and um uh, d- uh, uh, and then patent the result and then get to gouge people for 10 15 years that i've actually argued that just as the provision of health should be a national good and should be available free at the point of uh free at the point of use why should the development of health not also be under the same terms why is that also not a national good that's too important to be left to the ravages of a um a oligopoly market why P- again it's a shibboleth people just take it as crazy but they will defend the nhs 
uh, at point of delivery. But suddenly to 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 move further down the chain, oh, you're a cra- you're a, you're a crazy Stalinist. No, that's nonsense. So it's quite funny that there are plenty uh, renationalizing the railways as well. Yes, he's quite right. So there are plenty of things. Sure. With which one would agree, if he weren't also an anti-Semitic, crazy, tetchy, vegan, uh, fascist-loving nutcase. And that's the tragedy of him. Because this you know, is I- the argument I've been trying to make. So I've been trying to think, and I said this to you in a, in a text the other day, that most people think forwards, not backwards. So most people don't will not allow... Corbyn's mm. past, Corbyn's behaviour in the 80s and 90s, and indeed in the, in the noughties, um, mm. to influence their opinion of him. Their opinion of him will be based on what he did from the moment he sat down as leader of the Labour Party. Yeah. So I think it's, while it is true that his association with these uh, with these groups is is deeply disturbing and concerning, it doesn't uh, influence oh, can I the average have, can, person. Can I have, uh, uh, the, while I remember talking about his associations with those groups, there's one little meme that goes around which I need to deal with right now. Yes, he said friends when he talked about Hamas and Hezbollah and so on. And that, and that, and he says, well, what I meant by friends was I was just using inclusive language. I meant people who we could bring into a dialogue, blah, blah, blah. He said that, yeah? And that's fine. And that's yeah. the usual way. And as, as if he's some sort of diplomat. The fact that he never meets friends from the other extremes is yes, never really discussed and fine. On, but, any, but, on any of the various friends yes, he happens yeah, to have had. His friends yeah. only ever happen to be on one side. But that's fine. That's a very more... And weirdly, it always seems to be the bomby side. Yeah, but, anyway, but, yes. but that's more, but more significant than that... The, the other quote that he used at the very se- on the very same video at the very same meeting where he said friends, which nobody ever brings up as a corollary, is he didn't just call Hamas and Hezbollah friends in the neutral sense of they're with us in the room sense. What he what he said was it is disgraceful that the uh, UK government prescribes these organisations, these great organisations who are who who fight for social justice. Uh-huh. And so he called Hezbollah and Hamas, who want to kill Jews, who uh, oppress women, who have thrown gay people off off buildings. And just last week, um, a couple no, a couple of weeks ago, it was in the end of end of June, um, they executed one of their own because there were rumours around that he'd had gay sex uh, after torturing him. So these are people whom Corbyn has called fighters for social justice. Yes. Now he can get away with with his smarmy nonsense about what he meant by friends. But why doesn't anybody bring that up? Because I it's think very that's frustrating more damning. That that maybe on his return to the Home Affairs Select Committee, someone will have the sense to mention that. His return based on the fact that he sat there and so outrageously lied that they're utterly furious and he has to come back. Yes. Well, the thing is, again, his cognitive dissonance there. When he went to a Holocaust deniers conference and gave him money even after it was revealed that he was a Holocaust denier, I suspect he very honestly can say that he didn't do that because that's not the sort of thing he would do. And therefore it didn't happen. And I think he believes that in his head. Really? Yes. I think he says, Jeremy Corbyn does not like Holocaust deniers. Therefore, Jeremy Corbyn would not attend a conference with Holocaust deniers. Therefore... Jeremy Corbyn did not attend a conference right. with Holocaust and I. That's the end. It's a very sound argument, John. I can't see any problem with that syllogism. Can you? Um, so, and, and I think in his head, he's got something like that. So therefore, somebody's smearing, somebody's mirroring. Uh, do you see, he, he, I, he'd either never read the Hamas charter, which is that all Jews should be killed, mm-hmm. or 
he had never allowed it to enter his consciousness, assuming that there was some sort of, uh, um, I don't know, a smear or mistranslation or whatever. And you see his reaction when he was when it was forced down his throat at the select committee, he eventually had to grudgingly admit that, yes, maybe it is a bit anti-Semitic to say that we want to kill every Jew in the world. And is that, I mean, is that or is that just anti-Zionist? Uh, yeah, true. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so again, this, you're right. There is a lack of intelligence, which means that in for, in reading that out to him, you are saying, look, Jeremy, this is bright green and you thought it was bright red the whole time. And you, yeah. when everybody's told you it's green, you just shouted at them. But I'm going to prove with science now that it is green. It is a different frequency. Are you going to admit it now? Uh, of course, that makes him furious because the mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance alarms at this point are, it's like some um, 1950s sci-fi robot where love does not compute and the, yes. s- the smoke's coming out of his ears and the springs are popping out of his head. And that's the only way to understand him and how he allows these awful contradictions to happen. And that's before we start talking about McDonald and uh, Milne and so on. Yes, Milne did write an article. Uh, there's a copy of it, even though it's not on the Guardian website. There is a copy of it he wrote in the Guardian defending Stalin and saying he wished people would stop exaggerating Stalin's necessary um, uh, purges. So he there is a literal Stalinist mm-hmm. um, who is advising Jeremy Corbyn, who also happens to be all the other things you'd expect a Stalinist to be, a virulent anti-quote Zionist and so on. Um, and then you've got McDonnell who, and when we say they supported the IRA, it's not, okay, we see the sad necessity to have to help the IRA uh, uh, get get rid of its weapons and give, fire, give them a quote to quote a safe space in order to come to the peace process blah, blah, blah. no 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 these were people he explicitly supported them in their violence and both he and jeremy corbyn deplored the good friday agreements of the peace process saying it was a sellout and that the men of violence should continue and oppose this sellout so i'm not going to allow them to say oh we had these friends and we called them friends because we wanted to bring them to peace no when they were coming to peace you abhorred that and tried to push them away from peace because you wanted there to be violence because you wanted there to be a united island and that was more important than anything else because in your eyes your uh, the the notion of the settled west is a, an abomination which should be fought above all else so i, I these people are, should never be given the, the mealy-mouth pass, passes that they are given. And what's really tragic about it is, as I said, there are so many left, proper, decent, infrastructural, lefty things with which I could and do agree, and then this bunch of cyanide is dumped on top of them. And uh, it, it, what's funny at the moment is if you look at uh, Nick Cohen on Twitter, the, the sales of what's left are suddenly massively going yes. up and he's having, and he's touting suddenly having a big say, you know, he's, he's given, a, they're, they're, his publishers are giving discounts and uh, suddenly people are reading it for the first time and saying, oh my God, you predicted this. I didn't realize this would happen. Uh, it's a pity that not a large number of influential people had read it sort of 10 years ago, eh? I can't, I can't follow Nick Cohen on Twitter because he incessantly retweets praise and it's just, clutters your t- my timeline can't you block his praises well i wish there were such to be a, a an a option to filter out retweeting praise yes i don't mind if, if someone if someone is like i don't know um the, the article i wrote last night jess phillips has just tweeted it saying um this is a great read and sums up my feelings of, as a left-wing socialist who wanted to be proven wrong but wasn't and you you love jess phillips so that's really that's a really good thing for you 
I'm not going to retweet that because I avoid retweeting praise, but I like... No, you should. No, you should retweet it. it. Yeah, well, okay, here's how you can handle that. Do a what? quote retweet and say, uh, say OMG. <laughs> There's too much inception because it's too much inception because she's done a quote retweet and then it just gets frustrating for people to read. Yes. Anyway, the, um, the, the, but so if the, retweeting that makes sense because it's like, oh, look, this person in a position of authority is blah, blah, blah. It's fine. But it's just when it's like, oh, this was a great read. Oh, I love this. Nick Cohen wrote this. It's just stop. Stop doing that. It's, it's, it's not because it's ugly. It's because it's just frustrating to have to read. Is there a parrot in your room? Uh, 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 some slime mold just crawled in, some sort of white blankety thing which has just crawled in and is squeaking. So we've had a slime mold infestation. I don't know slime mold squeaked, but there you Well, are. the good thing about slime molds is you can see what loot is in them before you kill them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you, you carry on. <laughs> I'm glad this has happened to you at last. Toby's out, so it can't happen to me today. Lucky you. He's gone out to one of his, uh, one of his UKIP meetings. Good. Well, it's interesting. I, I, did you see? Did you see the uh, the UKIP numbers have massively plummeted since since Brexit? It could have gone either way, but I, but yeah. then then again, but then again, there's no point in it now because May is is, is a good leader for them, and well, exactly. front and bench she's... is doing exactly what they wanted. So, so why, all the why... protest voters for UKIP have have, re- have decamped back to the Conservatives, and everyone says, "Oh, look, it's it's because uh, Labour's loss is because." Uh, is to, and because the conservative gain is because of the rebellion in the Labour Party. No, it's just UKIP voters going back to the Tories. The Labour loss has gone down because of there are massive shambles in every possible direction. Yeah, exactly. What, what did you think of um, Smith's being appointed as opposed to Eagle? I thought it was it was an odd it was an odd set of events. I thought it was particularly. I I thought it was. There's a, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Pragmatically, he's probably the better option as the leader of the Labour Party. Do you but think it was so? Also a really, isn't he a bit of a wonk? Move. Isn't he a bit of a wonk? I mean, we we tried wonks with Milliband. Is is that really what yeah, we want? Yes, true. I don't know. Eagle just seems so. Oh my goodness! She, could you she, please have that creature <laughs> shot? She couldn't handle um, interviews. No, in that's my problem. She way. just didn't feel like she had the strength. The fact that her most prominent interview is her crying is really difficult. Hmm. Um, and it wasn't crying because she was sit- in, sitting in front of a great injustice. It was crying because she had, had stepped down from the shadow cabinet. Yes. And that was really difficult. Um, I wanted it to be her. I, I, I like her more. I know who she is better. Hmm. Um, I think her voting for Iraq was very problematic and would probably never have been left alone. No, it would have. I mean, I don't mind. I, I, I have no problem. Well, with you that, and I, we there. both supported the evasion based on the evidence at the time. We're not, and yes. I think everyone who's everyone, these people, as you, the numbers have shown, these people who go around going, "Oh yeah, I was against Iraq." What? No, yeah, bloody right. well weren't. And no, we were right. in favour of, dis, of deposing Hussein for Saddam Hussein for really good reasons. And exactly, and at the and time, we were wrong, and we both said we, we were both. No, we, no, you and I have both said time, it was it was the wrong thing to. No, no. At, at the time, I very explicitly said, um, "It's the only option." that we have to get rid of a mad dictator and you take any option you have to get rid of a mad dictator. I hope that they've got a good plan Yeah. after they've done that. And I assume they would, because why would you bother going through all this if you then go, nah. but actually we've seen that that's what happens very frequently in politics. Now we realize that the adults are not in charge and nobody ever has a plan for anything. Look at Brexit. Yes, um, yes, yes. Absolutely. People, people become monomaniacally focused on the next day's task. And then they forget that there's the day after tomorrow. Um, 
maybe we should invent a, 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 a new philosophy called the day after tomorrow politics, where you don't actually really focus on tomorrow's task that much, but you are desperately worried about the day after tomorrow. It's a problem is that's not very sexy politics, is it? It isn't, is it? So I don't know. I don't know what the right choice between Eagle and Smith was. I don't like the dirty way that Smith knocked her out. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the fact that Labour ha- miraculously has a an all-male ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just pathetic. Um, so, yeah, it's a tough one. Oh, Judy, John has forgotten who the Prime Minister is. Can you tell him who the Prime Minister is now? You have to shout louder. Okay. <laughs> That's how it and, should always be pronounced. And on the train yesterday, the man who you laughed at because he was snoring, you said one of the reasons you laughed at him because he looked a little bit like... And, um, and he snored. And he snored, yeah. Uh, 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 he did. And, fi- and finally, um, who, who's... who? Who's... who's no, I don't want to hear about your bloody Pokemons. Can you... Uh, yeah, funny. What did you marry? Somebody who plays Pokemon and names one of the Pokemons Jeremy Corbyn. Help me, John, I need help. <laughs> I need an intervention. I'm going to do everything I can, just be strong. I will. And one's called Jigglypuff, which is a funny name. Oh dear, no six-year-old should know, every six-year-old should know the name Jigglypuff. No six-year-old should know the name Boris Johnson. Oh no. <laughs> John, aren't they the same thing? Because <laughs> he's, he's, just, he's just a wacky guy. As I was saying, another thing I was saying, people were going crazy about Boris Johnson becoming the uh, Foreign Secretary. I said, no, 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 that's the yeah, uh, that's what, a little... Meanwhile, Liam Fox is... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. D- 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 take a look behind the curtain, not at the cabaret act in front of it, dear, uh, frankly. Because he'll, he'll, be a fi- he'll be fine as Foreign Secretary because the who cares it's it's the other people who are actually doing the arrangements that you really have to worry about and you've got fox et al uh, and davis you know, those are the people you should be crapping yourself about it was like she was just it was like a troll a series of she was trolling with her appointments the guy who had to step down because of his incredibly dodgy dealings as an international trade yeah representative we'll make him we'll make him deputy cabinet minister for international trade i mean that's just yeah. there's no it's too on the nose come on well, he's, he's 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 good at um international trade he's very he's very good yeah. and also he's inexpensive because he'll he'll share a room <laughs> so that's <laughs> saves a lot of money for the government <laughs> it does does anyone know if adam Werity is in his uh his visors yet Oh, I'm sure he'll be a very, very <laughs> special advisor. <laughs> I can't. If, you, if this were the other way around, you would have stormed off in a half by now. When, when Toby says the poo poo moon, I'll be happy to invite him on. Toby can say could say poo poo moon very nicely. Excellent. He presently, ref- he's still at 21 months, refuses to pronounce an e sound. So what does he say instead? He says ah or ooh. So it's wah wah. For mm-hmm. wee wee, and uh, so wow wow poo poo, and mm. he says um, for Nina for for Nina's he says Nuna. What's a Nina? An ambulance or a fire oh, engine? Right. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah. So he says Nuna. So he and if you say to him, if I say to him, can you say this? Can you say that? And he'll say all these words. And I say, can you say e? Can you say we? Can you say p? He actually gets upset, like Jeremy Corbyn. He starts to squirm and wriggle and get cross. Mm-hmm. He's absolutely. Ref- really does not want to accept that the e sound exists it's very interesting so he is so he basically you've, you've birthed jeremy corbyn 
Yes, that's what I'm saying. It does explain well, his, his beard. <laughs> his beard and his propensity to strong men with decisive opinions. That's right. He's also, weirdly, when he goes to toddler group, he describes mm-hmm. the ones who push the other toddlers around as his friends. <laughs> it's very strange. How odd. Oh, well, shall we say goodbye to the I lady? think we probably ought. Okay. Judy, say goodbye. Say bye-bye, John. Bye-bye, John. Bye-bye, Judy. See you. Bye. Bye.